Hello and welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evie. I am excited you are listening today. This show inspires and empowers you to take the next step towards a life you can't stop thinking about. I am bringing in people from all over the world with authentic and inspiring stories. People who change their lives from good to better, from miserable to great, turned strategy into hope and became successful entrepreneurs and business owners, living their dream life on their own terms. Grab your favorite note-taking device, lean back and get inspired. I believe that everything you need to create the life of your dreams is already within you. In this episode, I'm welcoming Jessica, an intuitive coach and healer. Her journey to the point where she is today was long, led through burnouts, but with a new perspective, she was able to change her life. Hello, Jessica. Thank you for being Hello. here with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. My name is Jessica. I'm most people call me Jess. I am an intuitive coach and healer. I'm a single mom of four. And I live in San Diego, California. Lovely. Thank you. You had a very inspiring journey. You've been many, many years in corporate, you mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. And would you like to tell us a little bit about your time, what you were doing and how you actually felt there and what has happened on your journey? So you actually started changing your life. Okay, well, I'm a single mom of four. So the youngest is 18 now, but I had a lot of pressure to make enough money, especially living in California, it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. And so I was always feeling the pressure to provide for my family and perform at work. I worked in financial services, which was a very high pressured job. And I worked in a team full of men. So here I am a woman, a single mom, I had to commute to work about an hour each way. I had all these responsibilities at home. But I was expected to leave that at home and come to work and perform at my highest level. And so that created this tension and I had to compartmentalize my home life, my kids and my work life. And so as a result of that, I was constantly feeling the pressure. And so I was constantly getting physical ailments. I was always had migraines and headaches and I would get severe pinched nerves in my neck, um, my shoulders, I would get inflammation in my body all sorts of things. My body was screaming at me. It's time to stop. And I didn't listen because I had the pressure to make the money, but also because of a lot of my childhood traumas and wounding, my value was placed on external validation on how well I could perform on how good of a job I could do. It had nothing to do with the person I was being. So in order for me to feel valued and enough, I had to consistently outperform everybody else. And I would get that validation and get the high and then the high was gone. And it was on the race again to meet a certain goal or an expectation and get validated again. And so it was just this roller coaster ride of chasing the extremes to feel worthy. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. If I summarize, there was two things. On one hand, the pressure to keep up your family. I mean, mm -hmm. dealing with four young children is a job on its own, a full-time yeah. job, right? And then you had that full-time job where you had to perform and meet society's expectations. And not just that, you were only woman in the team? Or was there more women? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
And all the yeah. men, I will say, had their wives at home taking care of the family, packing them lunches. <laughs> it's very challenging for me. I, I <laughs> no can't imagine. Relate to me. Yeah, I can't I can imagine. So, and all these signs you mentioned before that your body were showing you pain, migraines, chronic pain eventually. Have you been in any point aware of that, that this might be something that is somewhat related to the lifestyle you are living? Or was this not a thing at the time? At the time, no, because mm-hmm. I think society today is we're taught that that's normal. Yeah. And we just take things for it. We take ibuprofen. We we look outside ourselves for solutions. So we, we treat the symptom. We use the band-aid. We don't treat the root cause. So I would always get massages and acupuncture and things like that for the pain in my neck. I would take Motrin and, you know, pills for my, for my migraines. I was always taking something or looking outside myself for the Band-Aid fix because mm-hmm. I didn't think that I had the time to slow down and pause. Um, I was always on the go, go, go until mm-hmm. you, you, you may get to this until one day <laughs> that all changed because I went for my normal run and my heart just stopped. I went into sudden cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 37 years old. I didn't have any medical issues, no predetermining factors, no high blood pressure, clogged arteries or anything. My heart just gave out on me. It just stopped. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily someone saw me and performed CPR. And most people don't make it through that. And very few actually fully recover. So I'm really fortunate. And that was a point in my life where everything began to shift and not fully shift, but that was the wake up call because I mean, I almost died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you like to give us a little bit insight of the time of recovery and what exactly the shift was? Well, I was in a coma for about 10 days. And when I woke up, the first memory I have is a doctor coming into my room and he saw me more alert than usual, I guess. And he asked me if I knew what happened. And I was very confused. And he said, well, you died, you shouldn't have lived. And he showed me this device. It's a defibrillator that he was going to install on my chest. He's going to work, we're going to give you surgery, and you're going to get this tomorrow. And it was just a shock to me, because my whole family went through this, like, I was going to die, but Mm -hmm. I was not, (laughs) was not alert through it. So it was quite shocking. Um, When I left the hospital, I wasn't expected to recover because my heart was only working at 23%. So it took me about a year and a half to fully recover. Mm -hmm. But about halfway into that time, I recognized it wouldn't be a good idea for me to go back to work. I I started to see, I started to have this awakening, started Mm -hmm. to get into meditation, and I started to see how my lifestyle contributed to that because there was no medical explanation. And so I dug into spirituality more and self-discovery and realized I have gifts to help people. People always look to me for advice and guidance. So got my certification as a life coach. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that the certification wasn't important because I already had the gifts. It was the ability to push through the fear to create my own business because that's the hard part having your own business isn't are you good at your gift are you good at what you do it's how confident are you in yourself Um, can you move through the fear are you going to get paralyzed 
And that was a problem for me. So I had the beautiful website, the business cards, the certification, everything people think they need to start a business, but I didn't have the tools to move through the fear. Mm -hmm. So after several months of of trying, but being afraid, I kind of knew strategies, but I didn't know how to fully implement them. I recovered by then and made the decision to go back to work to the same Mm -hmm. environment that almost Mm -hmm. killed me. I went back to, I went back with a different mindset. Um, I had more tools, but it, I, I lasted about a year and a half before burnt burnout started to set in again, because mm-hmm. there was more healing work that I needed to do on myself. Absolutely. And I think this work you had to do was already uh, being showcased in the journey of starting up the first mm-hmm. time your business, right? But at the mm-hmm. moment, we are not aware how important the inner work is, the mindset work is to build a mm-hmm. solid foundation for our mm-hmm. businesses, right? Because it's definitely not a website if nobody comes to read it, right? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> not your opening hours if there is nobody you're going to talk to, right? So it's really the solid foundation, the inner work, and it starts with you. And uh, just if you compare, because you said you had a lot of pressure in your corporate world before uh, the accident happened. So can you compare that pressure you had before in the corporate world to the fear when you started your business? Was this any kind of similar? And if not, where lies the difference? Well, with the pressure, I knew what I had to do to get the results I needed to get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because I was working for another company, when, when you're working for yourself, you have to have the confidence in who you are. And when you're working in a corporate world, you can wear a mask, you can create a persona. And it's so it's completely different. So I knew what I needed to do to be successful in my job. And so I could just push myself to do it. Where when you're in your own business, it's all your fears and insecurities come to the surface. Yet in the beginning, you're not quite conscious of what they are. You just know that your brain is wired to avoid what feels scary. And that's where the paralyzation happens. You just can't get yourself to do the thing because your brain is is distracting you at all costs pulling you back into your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So it's learning how to move through that is how you find success. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can actually relate to that 100%. I've been in my first business. I, I survived five to six years where today I can't even tell how I survived because it was literally chasing the money, trading my mm-hmm. time for way too little money. And what was missing was literally this foundation of understanding who I am. I was wearing a, a continuously a mask and I continued building that wall around me that was just, you know, just to protect myself mm-hmm. the best I can from rejection, from thinking of other people, the fear of what might other things if I be working mm-hmm. as a health and uh, fitness coach. It's actually ridiculous if you think like that because I've been doing a great job. I had amazing clients they were satisfied but within me was a huge mess it was covered up by eating disorder right so everything Mm. was yeah constant survival I was in between two uh, two spaces I was on one space was um uh how to fake it today that I'm actually not feeling well and I don't even know what it is but I know I have to you know push it far back to survive today Mm -hmm. 
And so this was me on one hand. And on the other hand, I was at the point being anxious, constant anxiety. And I went back to corporate just as you because I was uh, was through a, a healing season and I needed to earn money eventually again. So I just took a job. I was good at that, even at that job, but I realized, oh my God, this is not it. So, and the second start was actually quite different because then I realized that I am healed from bulimia. So I could let go of this person who was this, this little little weirdo, you know, running between spaces, right? Being disconnected from body and soul and not knowing really who I am, where I stand, where I belong. That I realized, okay, bulimia is not a fact now, but now I have all the space to figure out who I am. And yeah. this was actually, this came, started when I started my business. There was a like a little drop where I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I can't do that. And then I realized I can if I do the following. Yes. Establishing I think, I think, my person yeah. first. I think you hit on something is, is where you're teaching something that you haven't fully grounded in your reality, right? Mm-hmm. You're teaching fitness, you have an eating disorder. That was sort of the same for me where I had these intuitive gifts and these abilities to really help people on a deep level. Yeah, I was so, I had so much unprocessed and unhealed trauma that you mm-hmm. feel like an imposter. But yeah. that's part of the path. Our path is our always our purpose. So whatever we're experiencing and move ourselves through is what we're supposed to help others. But there's a point where you feel like, am I really worthy of this? Because I still have work to do on myself. Mm-hmm. This is the resistance we feel, right? Yeah. And until mm-hmm. it's, yeah, until we discover it. Yeah. yeah. How did you find the courage to start over again, Jessica? Well, I started to get burnout again. I started to get panic attacks at work. I started to get high levels of anxiety. And I remembered how bad it got. I mean, I almost died. Mm-hmm. So it was a choice of, I knew the path I was on was going to kill me. Literally. I mean, I had almost experienced that I had been given a second chance. And I started very simply by saying, okay, I'm going to start meditating, I'm going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to do my morning routine. So I started incorporating more mindfulness into my life. And that helped me to see um, opportunities come my way, the path started to open, and I started to see that it was possible this time. I started to recognize why wasn't it successful before because I was using all the tools, the outside tools, meditation and things like that, but I wasn't doing the deep inner work. And so I recognized that. So moving forward, I was able to leave with more confidence. I had learned, I learned that the plan B, the going back to work wasn't going to work for me and I had no choice. And so I committed to doing my deep work. So I took a leave of absence, started working on myself started doing healing of my own childhood wounds and how I was getting in my own way. And that opened the path for me to start my business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you deal with the um, pressure of having to provide for your family? Because I think this is always a quite interesting point when people transition to corporate to entrepreneurship and their own businesses. If there is a family they have to provide with, if there is a house to pay for, if there are obligations, right? This is usually the biggest fear to make that step, the final step. Lots of people do it as a side hustle for a long time. How did you deal with that? decision. Here's the interesting thing is a lot of people will leave their corporate job with a big state like a savings, they might have a savings and say, Okay, I can 
get through this many months. Mm-hmm. And most people will get through that many months and they won't get a single customer and they'll spend all their money <laughs> and have nothing. But oftentimes the pressure births, it, it, it forces you into this space where you can actually create something, mm-hmm. right? There's no more time for procrastination. So I kind of dilly dallied around for a little bit while working on myself. And then I said, okay, I have to put up or shut up. This is it for me. Do I want to go back or do I want to succeed? And at that time, at that point, I had to fail first, but my will to be successful, my will to help other people with my gifts and to create the freedom in my life and to like call my power back to myself was more powerful for me at that time was the driving force versus the fear. I allowed me to, I allowed myself to really envision what's possible for me and take the steps to get there. And I think the big difference this time where it actually worked was I allowed myself to take one step at a time without seeing the big picture. Mm -hmm. Before I needed the whole big picture, I needed to see everything and every step along the way before I would start. And I said, okay, baby steps, one step at a time. And I would, I would follow my intuition and take a step. And then the next step would reveal itself. And then I would take that step and the next step would reveal itself. And that was a big turning point for me when I realized, oh, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have Mm -hmm. to have the whole plan. I can just take one step. One step at a time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's only not only your journey, that's a proven thing. If you take the one step, the next step will pop up on its path sometimes very clear sometimes we have to learn to see it to take our opportunities Mm -hmm. to understand what's going on and uh, me personally I enjoyed this process of growth a lot when Mm -hmm. I started off the second time because this was something like okay this is working out give me more where do I get more of this right and then how can I improve that and I think this is what makes our work so joyful. Do you agree with that? Yeah, because it's we're we're taught we have to have the plan and we have to know everything's going to work out. And the best part about life is not knowing how it's going to work out and letting us surprise it because we try to control everything. And there's so much more for us than we could ever imagine if we just let go of control and allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's much more to it, exactly. Because I think if we control in that space of controlling we also lock off opportunities right because we can only control what we know we can't control the unknown and this is where we actually block ourselves into yeah possibilities seeing possibilities having possibilities involve and grow into these spaces outside of our control field so what happens when we try to control is we're projecting our past onto the future and so we're bringing the past into the present and into the future. And we're creating the same cycles and loops over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we let go of control, we allow more than we can ever imagine to come in. Mm -hmm. And I think this is very lies because we want to imagine it because we want to know and we are afraid of the unknown. So it becomes like a little circle. Like we we, we want things, we feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a loop, right? And we need to break that and set our mind shift our mind a little bit into a different direction to make things possible. And I think you showcase this journey incredibly. Your your story is a perfect example, I think, if it comes to mind shifting, right? No matter if it's due to pressure to having provide for the family or which also added eventually in pure hobby and joy, but 
uh, I think it's possible for everybody once it clicks, right? Once we realize that it's within us and that we have the power over this control, right? And we realize mm -hmm. we don't have to control to have power. Yeah, exactly. We've, you know, we learned a lot of things as children. Our, our parents taught us how to keep us safe and we learned all these coping mechanisms and how to, to stuff our emotions, how to repress everything. So we were just trying to survive as kids mm -hmm. and we carried those survival um, techniques with us throughout our lifetime. And we don't realize, oh, we can let that go. We learned that as a kid because we, we didn't have the ability to protect ourselves. So we had to learn these coping mechanisms. But these coping mechanisms keep us safe and small. They don't allow us to step in the bigness of who we are. And so mm -hmm. when we can get to the root of that and start shifting through that, everything in our life changes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's um, known and unknown thing. And in our area, in our industry, we are coping with those topics on a daily basis. And we speak about it in our podcast. We are writing books. We are on the go and we are pretty much aware what is your opinion jessica like how much awareness do we still need to create about the topic anxiety how serious it really is in workspaces in corporate um, workspaces and why do you think it's still such a taboo topic nowadays well it's taboo for, for i think two reasons number one is because it's associated with emotions Mm -hmm. It's associated with being erratic and, and mental health. And that's associated with women, feminine energy. And we're not supposed to, as I mentioned in my story, show up as women in the workforce. We're not supposed to have the fluctuation of emotions. We're supposed to stay steady and keep everything inside. So even though anxiety is men and women get it, it's associated with the erratic woman, the unstable woman, and we don't want to appear unstable. So it's something we don't talk about, but everybody has some level of degree of anxiety. Now, what I believe anxiety is, and I had panic attacks all the time, was that anxiety is just the fear of the past happening in the future. Mm -hmm. So there'll be an event that triggers something that happened in the past. And so that's when, because trauma is simply repressed emotion stored in the body. So when we have a trigger of a fear that something happened into the past coming into the now, that trauma, those emotions start come to, coming to the surface to be released. Mm -hmm. And that's very uncomfortable. And our brain thinks this is not safe for us. Let's repress them because we've learned not to feel. We've learned to distract ourselves from feelings. So we push it down. We don't let that feeling come up. When the truth is, is when we learn the tools to allow the feelings to come to the surface, we, when we can identify what that feeling actually is and what that trauma and that emotion that we're repressing is, and we create a safe space to actually feel it, over time, the anxiety goes away because we no longer fear the past from happening into the now. But everything just stems from fear and not wanting to feel. And so when we can bring more awareness around what anxiety actually is, and it's not something we need to hide or cover up with medicine, then we can all move through it. It's not something we have to live with. It's not something we have to manage. It's not something that always has to be part of our lives, like most people say. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, it's it also a, a few building topic around the topic, right? Anxiety is bad. Anxiety makes you, you know, you have a mental illness if you're anxious. Where anxiety is simply something that protects us, right? Our brain does that to protect us from harm. Our ancestors, they had to be careful if the lion was behind the corner, right? Uh, or if they're being chased, yeah. right? This is just a, a fight and flight mode that is being still triggered in us. Yet in our uh, nowadays, in the 21st century, we don't have to fear that anymore, right? And it's whatever anxieties it is, it's just our brain telling us, you are entering the unknown, this is dangerous. So it's actually a good mechanism the brain does, right? I mean, it does its job. An simple example of of how it shows up is if we were a small child and we failed at something in school and our teacher shamed us, Mm -hmm. that was a painful experience. As children, we internalize it. We're in our class. We can't feel those emotions. We stuff them in. They're now, it's energy now stuffed in our bodies. And so when we're at work and we're afraid of failure, or we're afraid our boss is going to get angry or they're going to call us out in a meeting, that's bringing up that past trauma to the surface, which creates the anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's a much simpler solution than we think when we can learn to address the root of those traumas and experiences and learn how to feel and process them, that no longer becomes a burden in our lives. Mm-hmm. But Nobody wants to talk about it because we can hide when we just take pills. We can hide and pretend, but everyone's hiding and pretending. That's the problem. So people who experience are more open about it. We can normalize it for everybody. And then that's when changes can actually happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just to address the term trauma. I think lots of people connect with trauma. that something really, really bad had happened to yeah. them in the past, right? We are speaking of, if we say trauma, it's connected immediately with uh, sexual abuse or with mental abuse, physical abuse, whatever it might be. But the trauma can be caused by being bullied right or if the teacher said something that just hurt you that moment but you as a little child were just hurt for the sake because you think you did great and it was a simple the wrong choice of word maybe right maybe not even intentionally wanting to hurt someone and this can cause trauma right exactly there i call it like this over trauma which is usually intentional and it's outright abuse Mm-hmm. And then there's covert trauma, which is typically unintentional. And we experience it all the time as children, because number one, we internalize everything. We make everything about us. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to process our emotions as children. We're teased and made fun of at a very early age. We're told not to cry. We're, you know, we're punished when we cry. So we keep everything in. So we can experience trauma for something simple as how do our parents respond to us if we get a good grade versus a bad grade, or if we mm-hmm. cleaned our room versus we didn't clean our room, if we get in trouble for that, that over time creates chronic trauma. We're repressing those emotions and we begin to fear a deadline. You know, I had a client who dad, every time she was bad, the mom would tell the dad when he got home and the dad would go upstairs and spank her. And so she learned to fear her husband coming home because Mm -hmm. it was associated with, with what's going to happen to me. So she would try to tidy up before she came up. Like her, her little, the little girl in here, her still thought she was going to get in trouble and she didn't have that dynamic with her husband. It's just a response our body has. So yeah, that's another thing we need to learn that 
you could have loving parents and you could still experience trauma with them. It's mm-hmm. just, it, it's, it's generational. We are just not aware of how kids are being hurt. You know, parents can have the most loving intentions. Teachers can have the most loving intentions that still hurt the children. And that's just our journey. Yes. And it appears later in our life in different forms. Definitely. Yeah. I love the example of the husband coming home. I think it's mm-hmm. a, a pretty good one. Yeah. And uh, another common thinking is if we think or if we have experienced traumas, we need to go through uh, many, many years of therapy. I think this is also a common thinking and the fear of so many people, like whenever there is the topic coming up with trauma, like, no, I'm not seeing a therapist. What is your opinion on that, Jessica? Well, I have a lot of clients who I'll have one call with them and they'll say, wow, I learned more in this call than I did for three months of therapy. Because mm-hmm. therapy is very client driven. You just kind of you empty out whatever's on your mind, but you don't have the ability to take yourself back to the past and unravel everything that happened. For me, with my experience, the way I've healed myself, because I did all my healing myself and the way I help my clients is getting to the root of what happened to you as a child. So I, most of the time, people don't recognize these simple incidences as children created the anxiety they have today. So it's getting to the root of that, identifying exactly what happened. And then you can see it as an adult perspective instead of a child perspective. Because what's interesting is when I have clients explain what happened to them back when they were six, you hear their words. They'll say they were abandoned or left to figure it out themselves. You hear the child still speaking, explaining the story. So we can get to the actual root of it and then they, I can hear how they explain it and we can say, no, this is what really happened. This was just your childhood perspective. That takes a lot of the charge out of it already. Mm-hmm. And then it's allowing yourself to process those emotions and feel those feelings. And so what that looks like is identifying the habits and patterns you've created to cope with that specific trauma and that specific experience. And what triggers that and doing something different, taking a different action, taking that different action is going to bring it up to the surface. And then it's creating the tools to allow the emotions to move through you versus repress them. And as you do that, you can shift through it very quickly. It doesn't have to take years. It can, you can, you can within a very short amount of time transcend a lot of that wounding and be a completely different person and feel like a completely different person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Like the, the entire rewiring, the brain takes a little bit longer as we are speaking of habits, right? But I think so once takes, you create yeah. the awareness, the steps are proceeding quite quickly after that. Once you create the awareness, you have the tool you you've gotten through that place where you can feel you recognize your brain's like okay I don't die when I feel mm-hmm. and you have the intention of responding differently each time that rewires your brain there's always people doing all these audios and different things to rewire your brain which I believe the real way is just by taking a different action each time then your brain starts to learn this is safe this mm-hmm. is safe brain avoids what it doesn't perceive as safe what we're driven towards and actively do, it starts to perceive as safe. So yes, the, it used to be very difficult to heal through this, but now all of this is coming into our awareness more and it can happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of you being willing. You know, it's time to stop, you know, 
turning to the band-aids and actually willing to do the actual work. And it's uncomfortable, but it's also freeing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I think, uh, Jessica, we could go on forever into this topic. We could go on forever. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> if we go into that, then I think it's both our favorite fields to work and speak about. I could talk about, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I am enjoying it. I just... Uh, it's just you know always time ticking as usual my last and favorite question I love to uh, ask uh, my guests is what do people misunderstand the most about you Jessica I think the fact that I explain these things that happened because I mean I almost died um I was in a coma it was it was a very long recovery I explain it like it was um a very like people just think it it wasn't hard for me. I give this impression that everything's easy for me. And it's actually very difficult because I move myself through everything. Part of my path is I learn and I refine a process. And then I take that. So I learn through trial, through experience, trial and error. I refine the process and then bring that to clients and other people. And so it's not easy for me. I just have this built-in resiliency And I can see the lesson in it and see the beauty and the value because I wouldn't be here if I did, wasn't there. So yeah, people think that things are really easy for me and they're not. I struggle, <laughs> struggle a lot. <laughs> I can't imagine that. But also I think the work you're still going through makes your story so extremely valuable to others. And the more we work through it, the more we get confident in speaking it. And I think this is what mm -hmm. comes across with you. That's like, yeah, oh, I had a heart attack, right? And I almost yeah. died. It was a wake up <laughs> call. I, I mean, I didn't, I never got it as such, right? I know what it takes to recover from anything you suffered from but I think the reason why you can speak about it like this it, it is because you have done the work and you worked through it and this is the reason why you can speak openly about it and bring your story in a valuable way today so people can actually benefit from it yeah exactly and I know that's part of my purpose to experience mm -hmm. because I experience the extreme of things I'm here to experience extreme of things I have this built-in resiliency and this ability to create processes to move through it. And so it's just part of my path. But that's the beauty is we all have our gifts and we're all here to share our gifts. And so when you can tune into what those gifts are, you have something to offer the world. Thank you for being vulnerable with us today, Jessica. I appreciate you. And if people want... Yeah, if people uh, are experiencing similar or would like to go through one to look at one or the other process, how people can find you and how can people work with you, Jessica? Well, I'm on Instagram at Jess Hoover Healing um, and my website is Jess Hoover Healing. And the best thing to do is to book a breakthrough call because what that is is very quickly I can in a very short period of time, I can identify, we can look at what's happening with you now, what happened to you as a child, what your habits and patterns are, and how you can begin to move yourself through that. So you will leave the call a completely different person, and you'll have direction um, and the tools for what you need to move yourself forward. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I will make the notes in the show notes so people can easily reach out to you if somebody wants to get in touch and with that said Jessica thank you so much for being here thank you for being vulnerable thank you for your honesty thank you for sharing your story I appreciate you and it was a pleasure having you as my guest 
Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you.